Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Just Like You Show. I am your host, Alexis Christine, and I am a spiritual mindset coach and Reiki master, helping women break through their limiting beliefs, rewire their brain, and manifest the life of their dreams. Just Like You is a podcast for all of the divine souls looking for guidance on their healing and ascension journey. We explore the depths of the universe, hold space for vulnerable conversations about spirituality and self-development, delve into the esoteric things like how to manifest, star seeds, the astral realm, and shed light on taboo topics such as plant medicine and so, so much more. I am honored that you are here to take this journey with me. I want everyone listening to be able to leave each episode feeling inspired and having learned something tangible to take away into their day-to-day life. If you feel called to work with me or explore this work deeper, please reach out at imalexischristine.com or you can DM me on Instagram at iam.alexischristine. Hello, my beautiful divine brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the Just Like You show. I am your host, Alexis Christine. And today we are talking all about acceptance, learning how to feel and release emotions and other somatic healing practices. And I have the most amazing guest with me. Her name is Carly, and she has lived through this experience firsthand and now coaches people on how to do this themselves. She's gone from absolute rock bottom feelings of suicide and ending her life to being happy and excited and in alignment and fulfillment in where she is now. And it's such an amazing story. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to all of the tips and tricks and methods that she shares because I really think it could be useful for so many people. And I'm so excited. Before we get into the episode, I do want to just say a big thank you for all of you who tune in every single week. We have reached over 500 downloads, which I know for some really big podcasts probably isn't a lot, but I honestly didn't even think people would start listening to this when I put it out. I just really wanted to share and trusted that it would resonate with the right people. And I'm ecstatic that it's actually reached 500. Like, that's insane. So I'm really excited about it. Thank you guys so much. If you could please rate the podcast, that would be super helpful in ranking us and getting it out to more people. And for all of you women who are on your spiritual self-growth journey, and want to have a like-minded community of other females who are supporting each other, nurturing each other, and helping one another heal trauma and just grow as yourself fully into alignment, please do check out my Facebook group, Ascension Goddesses. It's just that name on Facebook. You can also find it um, on my Instagram page in the link in my bio. So if you guys are interested, please go ahead and check that out. And I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Talk to you later. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Just Like You Show. I am your host, Alexis Christine, and my guest today is a lovely lady called Carly. She has been on such an intense emotional and mental journey with her different struggles that she's been through and has now made it out the other side. And she used some key things that we're going to be chatting about today. So I don't want to give it all away. But hi, Carly. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you very much. Excited. Good. This is my first ever podcast. Oh, that is so exciting. Well, thank you for coming on Just Like You Show and allowing us to be that first experience for you. That's super exciting. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, Out of curiosity, just a quick little little question. Do you know what your sun, moon and rising are? I'm a Leo. (laughs) Okay. That's as far as I know. (laughs) Okay. So what I just talked to you about before we started recording with the Lionsgate portal, big Leo energy, like it's literally in Leo right now. So this will be very 
a very good time for you. Oh, <laughs> you definitely utilize it. Okay. Do you want to give everyone a little bit of background on you, your cultural upbringing, just a little bit of like who you are? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in, I mean, everyone, I guess everyone feels like they're normal, but I had like quite a humble <laughs> beginning. I lived in a council mm-hmm. estate with my mum. My mum is an English white lady. My dad is from the Caribbean. So he was Ooh, like fun. first, yeah, first generation immigrant. Um, yeah, I just went to a normal sort of state school, um, played out a lot. I, there was a lot of, what would I say? I guess looking back now, I would kind of call it a bit of neglect going on, but I was always outside, mm. wand- wandering around, like far from home sometimes, and just sort of <laughs> getting myself all dirty and playing with kids and all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, I guess I, I would sort of say it was a, a normal upbringing, just to, to a certain degree. And then yeah. the, thing, the things that you might think are normal, but you realise when you grow up that they're not happening in a, everyone's house, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because like I had the same kind of childhood where I was outside playing a lot. And like, mm-hmm. granted, I lived in a suburb, not the city, but it's, you just don't, you don't really get that now because there's screens everywhere and like parents are so much more paranoid. So like I think back then it actually might have been a little bit normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And you. OK, so we talked a little bit before about this journey that you went through where you basically were. I mean, I don't want to say rock bottom, but you were in a very intense place with your emotions and your mental health and you were able to kind of work your way through it you tried a bunch of different things and you basically persevered and are now just living like so at at peace with everything and like able to actually handle your emotions when they come up and like you've really learned how to just harness and utilize them rather than letting them Mm. like affect you Mm. so let's talk about that tell us tell us your story how did you do this oh my god (laughs) okay so gosh I feel like I've had since I would say my teens, just mental health issues that I didn't realise that I had then. Because obviously mm-hmm. I'm in like all this trauma stuff. It's quite trendy now, isn't it, really? But yeah, we didn't, there was no internet then and there was like none of that talk. But um, I would have sort of problems kind of keeping jobs, keeping friends, always feeling hurt by people or let mm-hmm. down by people. I was bullied at school um, and... I was always kind of going out with the wrong kind of boys. <laughs> I would get sort of, I would get hopelessly attached to people who were unavailable. Oh, it didn't, yes. It didn't, yeah, it didn't occur to me Same. that they were unavailable. There was always some sort of strange, they'd be really interested in me, but but they'd ha- maybe have another girlfriend and it, they'd be all over me and I couldn't seem to get my head around the fact that I'm not special. If they're all over me, I must be special. So this that kind of followed me through through most of my life. That's that odd pattern that I had there. Mm-hmm. But by the time I sort of got into my twenties, I was I was doing a lot of drinking, partying, lots of fast burning relationships. Um, mm-hmm. but I kind of always thought it was other people's fault, really. Like, God, <laughs> why why are these men such idiots? Blah 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 blah. Um, and then in my late twenties, I went off on a cruise ship. I was I'm a singer. Um, well, I I was. Oh, <laughs> and, um, fun. Yeah, it was great. So I got this job on a cruise ship, and everything kind of mentally went to went to went to. Sh- am I allowed to swear? I'm oh yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went to shit basically. Um, so I was kind of struggling with. I was feeling afraid of people. I was in my cabin, like isolated all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't. I was kind of having some relationships with them, but obviously people were getting on and off these ships, so it was it was all. But I started to notice that when um, I got close to people, I was terrified. Interesting. Um, yeah, I started to become really avoidant and 
it just got really kind of intense and messy and I ended up this one night I did two contracts and this on the second contract I put my life jacket on because I was fed up I was basically wanted to go to the top of the ship and jump and oh my gosh. just kind of I put the life jacket on because I didn't want to drown but I figured that I would get hypothermia and die. Ah. yeah so I was kind of crying on the floor this one night and um I I didn't have the balls to basically do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I sort of, yeah, I just realised, oh, my God, I've, I've say, there's issues going on here. So that was yeah. kind of like the first sort of episode I had with realising that I'm not I'm not kind of functioning in a, in a straightforward way. And then after a couple of years after I got off the ship, oh, my God, I met this guy who's married. <laughs> that went to shit, obviously, as it yeah. did. And I, I keep attracting these married guys, but that... <laughs> That relationship really kind of pulled all my threads apart and um, I ended up kind of sitting on a massive, what I didn't know at the time, a huge amount of grief that I didn't want to feel. Um, Mm -hmm. So I kind of fell out with that man, met another one right straight away. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I ended up having two kids with this guy. He was quite a decent guy, really. Um, But yeah, we had two kids kind of really quickly together Mm -hmm. and um, it was after having the children but well, the second baby specifically, I started to feel like I was falling apart. Like I was jumpy and shouting and crying for like for nothing or someone would drop yeah. a cornflake or, or spill some water and it, it would be making me kind of fall in a puddle of tears and feel like the whole world was caving in on me. That relationship didn't work out. We split up. I ended up on my own with the two. They were quite small. I think one was two and one was four at that time. Wow. And so it would just be me and them. And I would notice that all day I was like just having all these emotional outbursts and feeling stressed. And I'd be kind of really controlling and trying to sort of just micromanage them. And it it was stressful and I couldn't stop. I was like, what the hell is, what am I doing? And I was feeling suicidal. Like this went on for like two years. Um, Wow. I was talking to doctors and someone said at one point, oh, I think you sound like you're bipolar. When I kind of read into it, I was like, yeah, I can see some similarities, but that didn't feel true because it was, I was fine on my own. Like Mm -hmm. I'm completely normal by myself. So I I just started noticing this seems to happen when I'm specifically around these two little people (laughs) who are shouting and they're irrational and impatient and, you know, I guess yeah. if they were adults, Basically. they'd be kind of threatening if they were sort of 20 years old or whatever. But yeah, but, um, to me, but so anyway, after being really unhappy with what the medical system was sort of trying to say and like, oh, take these tablets and this, this, I was like, oh. mm, something doesn't feel right. Yeah, so I'm a very, very deep person. I always like to get to the deepest levels of things. Um, it's kind of it comes into my spirituality as well. I was like, there has to be a reason that this is happening. Um and so I just started to become a detective. I got a pen and paper and um, I, was in, I remember being in the kitchen one day and my little boy started to like, make these really loud noises, shout, and I think he was banging something. And then I don't know whether he got into a little bit of an argument with his sister. And I felt this, this trigger. It was kind of almost like rage, I guess. But um, I started writing like, oh, this happened and he said this and then this said this. And then I started to notice my stomach was like, it felt like it was shrinking, as if the blood was kind of all rushing into my organs. Um, wow. And then my, you know how you have like a personal space, mm-hmm, the like circle, bubble. Yeah, yeah, your bubble. 
the bubble would expand like double in size. And so anything in it, any person in it, it would kind of feel agonizing, like almost like someone's burning my skin. Um, and then I would be really jumpy and sensitive. And I was like, wow, this feels like a trauma response, like fight or flight mode. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, my God. And I realized every time that it's there's conflict in my house and things are getting loud, my body is going into this terror. Um, and I started to be able to kind of connect it. When I was little, my father, he beat my mum up, basically. I was like four and I was asleep and I woke up to this banging and shouting. And my dad had ended up like dragging my mum and then he got her on the floor and was on top of her, like strangling her. And there was wow. this banging. I always remember the banging noise. Um, and part of them were kind of obscured by the, the, the banister. So I couldn't see all of her. I could just see her feet kind of raising up and then hitting the floor. I think she was mm. stiff trying to get him off her, but it was terrifying, obviously. I just, I, I got chills. I'm so sorry that you had to witness that. <laughs> oh, thank you. And um, yeah, so I think that, and then my dad was always shouting. I remember when I could hear them, you know, when you can hear an argument just starting to brew and the escalation and yes. the voices go a bit higher pitched very well yeah I remember you I used to scream out like no 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 mommy daddy stop 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 and they didn't they never stopped and so I kind of figured out that when my kids go into what sounds to me like conflict mm. or bang too much I go into some kind of terror like fight or flight and for yeah. me the fight mode was the strongest so I'd get shouty and controlling and Wow. And it was so, so intense. It took me a while to get a handle on it. But because I'd sort of found out, you know, like fight or flight mode, trauma, I started looking into more. I'm quite a natural sort of person. So I was like, okay, what, what, what ways have we got to deal with this? And I came across this thing called somatic experiencing. And uh, I was really drawn to it. So I'd had a couple of sessions with someone and we basically just follow the physical sensations in the body and disconnect from the thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of studied that for a bit and then I kind of read loads of videos and read loads of books about trauma etc and kind of put my own picture together and um, I'd found another modality that was the same with somatic experiencing but they added another layer of inquiry because what they said is that all these um, any contraction in the body comes along with thoughts like Mm -hmm. a a sentence maybe but you don't hear it and so they were able to by asking certain questions or maybe reversing so say like if I said I'm not afraid right now another voice inside will go yes I am (laughs) and it might bring up some information and so so, did you did you not find that the somatic healing on its own was enough is that why you went searching for more yeah because my feelings were so because it was so intense like the body thing wasn't enough because I could feel that there's more going on than just stuff in the body like I wanted more answers and so, so when I I don't there's a there's a bit of a haziness here but somehow I got into like this whole sort of inner work and this inquiry so I started asking questions to myself like when I was in in a trauma mm-hmm. um like what am I afraid of or, or what, what are going what's going on or what are they what are they doing or something like that and there, there will be an answer like oh um they're trying to get me uh, uh or they hate oh. me or that there's yeah there's, there was just some words with it your subconscious is just like throwing them out yeah and so I was so I started to realize long story short basically that I had some sentences core ones like nobody loves me mm-hmm. um 
I'm I, I'm I'm hated. I'm I'm not. I'm bad. I'm bad. That was quite a big one for me. Um, and I'm unliked. And yeah. what else? There was another one. I could never quite find the word, but it had a disgusting feeling to it. Like there was this very unsavory. I just felt like a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> and, and every it's interesting you- because we're reflections, right? The world reflects everything back to us. So when you're mm. talking about all your relationships, like if those were how you were feeling about yourself, that's what you're going to reflect back in with everyone that you're dating. Yeah. So like it's and not all letting, connected. Yeah. And then say some of the guys that maybe weren't, were available, I was running from On them. It. I, yeah. was, I didn't respect them. I was kind of mean to them or pushing them away. So it's yeah. like, I felt so unlovable and disgusting inside that I, and the fear of abandonment that I'm just basically yeah. pushing everyone away or going with men that abandoning me. And it, yeah, <laughs> but I just kind of figured all of that out through this bodywork and through these, through this inquiry of the, um, and recognizing my core sentences. And you start to see them everywhere, right? Like in yeah. my, with my mom or at work or the people on the cruise ship and when my kids do this or my ex, oh, we are, we were arguing <laughs> a lot as well <laughs> at one point. But I always noticed it was coming down to those little thoughts being triggered in. So as I, once I'd figured that out, I was able to sit with the horribly intense sensations in my body and hear those thoughts and in present moment awareness. So Mm -hmm. like being kind of disconnected from both, but fully present in them and watch them. And then over time, I noticed that there was more space and I didn't have to start shouting at people. (laughs) Um, And it didn't mean that I felt great. I still had to, so I'd be able to do something like, hey kids, mommy's triggered again. I need to go upstairs for five minutes, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of shouting at them. Right? So can you, can you explain, you mentioned that like you were sitting with it in the present and like just watching them go by. Can you explain a little bit about like what that is or how you do that? Cause I feel like yeah. for the listener who's not familiar, yeah. that probably just went right over their heads and that's such a key <laughs> part of this. <laughs> yeah, so basically, say in a moment, if you find yourself triggered, what it looked like for me was, first of all, just recognizing and acknowledging that there's a trigger present. Before and, the reaction. Yeah. Okay. So as soon as the body has a reaction, which you always feel that first, you know you're <laughs> angry because you feel angry. So yeah, there would always be a physical response before the verbal one. So I would, as soon as I could feel that, I would acknowledge that and then remove myself, say like go upstairs to my room, sit down on the bed or the floor um, and breathe, (laughs) very important, (laughs) these deep slow breaths and literally put 100% of my attention into the body where the sensation is taking place and just Mm -hmm. allow it, basically just allow it to be there. And then sometimes if the sentence was already sort of, obvious like uh, I, I'm, I'm sometimes it could just be like I'm so angry right now I would kind of see that written mm-hmm. and just 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 sit with in my mind's eye the, the words I'm so angry right now and feel my body where the anger is and just be with it breathing and okay. there's, there's something in that like some part of you maybe the t- child inside it's, it, it's it's as if an adult has sat down with them and not judge them or told them off, just being with them and allow them to feel fucking angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, without judgment. And so this practice kind of brought this natural acceptance. Whereas I'm not thinking, oh, this is wonderful and oh, I love and accept you, but I wasn't resisting and pushing that way. Mm-hmm. I was with it. And um, yeah, that kind of turned my life around. 
That is I still so get amazing. triggered, obviously. <laughs> I still oh, of have- course. Mm. Yeah. Like that, I don't think that will ever end for anyone, no matter how much work we do on ourselves. Mm. We just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so like, we think that we healed one thing and then it's like another thing just comes and smacks you in the face and it's like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. On to yeah. the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, and you just did this all like through self-research. Yeah. And then I may find some practitioner that, that I've really resonated with and have a session or two. Mm-hmm. To get a feel for the work and then just get on with it <laughs> I'm quite like one of these people that's really competent like if I, once I know how to do something I'm, I'm and it's benefiting me I'll I'll do it mm-hmm. and obviously I didn't have much money I mean this, this for me the traumas have always made it difficult for me to keep jobs or feel even feel worthy of making money so yep I didn't always have the resources but I would be able to scrape together you know enough money to maybe have a, a block of four sessions or whatever and then kind of be on my own and just be dedicated to continuing that work so, and yeah. was this so when you say be on your own and be dedicated to the work was this something that you could just go to your room what, like in an evening and just work on or did you have to wait to be triggered in order to actually put it into practice I think a bit of both because okay. if you sometimes I mean if you sit thinking about something for long enough you can re-trigger yourself anyway your, your body will offer up feelings if if it gets triggered by even thoughts I mean it's, mm-hmm. it's thought anyway that's yeah triggering so um but mostly it was effective in the moment I mean yeah. even if you're out you could be driving or even if you're at work you can always kind of even if you're standing talking to someone else there is a way of becoming present almost kind of maybe hovering above yourself and just watching from above or just become the observer there's always a space to do that mm-hmm. so Obviously, in the moment is kind of best, but I was sort of any opportunity really. I kind of got a bit obsessed at one point. <laughs> and how how long would you say that this whole process took you? Like, I know the process never really ends, but from when you started this to when you were actually able to see changes in your day to day and how you were handling the triggers, like how long did that take? And how like how often would you say you were practicing until that point? That's a good question. Oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> It's weird because it wasn't linear because there'd be moments uh, because I would say, I mean, I'm self-diagnosed, but I, I believe that I've suffered really with complex PTSD. Well, I still do complex PTSD. And mm. so there, there's times when it felt like I couldn't do anything for a while. So I'd have to just honor that. And like, sometimes you can get so obsessed with doing the work, you have to give yourself a chance to breathe. Yeah. But I would say maybe six months when I really felt like, okay, so this there's a change where I could look back and see it. Um, and maybe even straight away a few weeks when I realized, oh, wow, my, my um, sort of, there's a gap between my trigger and then what I do about it. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I, could, I could maybe sit with it for a while, but the energy was so potent that maybe 20 minutes later, it would shoot out sideways. But yeah, that that twenty minutes was like wow. Okay, there is there's something changing, and I guess I think when trauma's been trapped in you for so long, the energy wants to it wants to find a way out. Right, this is why we get this is yes. why we go crazy and start shouting or whatever we do. So yeah, it, it will still kind of shoot out in one direction or another. Um, and it it also can come out in like illness, like if you get constant headaches or if you like have digestion problems or like, mm. I don't know, this is going to be very controversial. People might not agree with this, but even cancer, like oh, people, well, yeah. people can literally give themselves diagnoses of things because they're holding it in for so long. And that energy is just festering and it needs somewhere to go. It needs somewhere mm. to get out. So I think science actually now is just about at the point where they're recognizing that stored 
emotion causes chronic illness. Like certainly yeah. within like chronic pain, that's often related to like repressed anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm so for this. Like I, I look at the research, like I'm on it, but I think there's a lot of people who just like, you don't know what you don't know. And then when someone says something like that, they're like, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) I can't wait until it becomes a little more mainstream. (laughs) I know. I know. Right. There's just, I mean, I, I wished so badly that like, I mean, I'm kind of glad that I figured it out, Mm -hmm. but there were so many years. I mean, I, I wanted myself more than more than once I mean more than 10 times maybe and it was only after I'd had kids the thought of them finding me or them not having a mom that's the one thing that I was like I can't do that to them but I mean it was it was years long this journey altogether you know with me sort Mm -hmm. of struggling and trying and it was literally sheer determination it was like I'm determined to 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 figure out why I'm behaving this way for one and then learning how to have relationships that are not blowing up everywhere or I'm yeah. running this way and then that way and I'm come here and go away but again it's because I'm sort of scared in my own skin basically and you, you know we don't want to live a whole life like that <laughs> no it's it's a lot to deal with and then there's like a lot of people when they look at putting the work into self-development and healing themselves they're like oh I don't have the time to do it or it's so much effort or you know mm. it's hard basically but then when you look back at how you're living and everything you have to experience for years on end, it's like, would you rather take that six months to a year of like consistent work to feel better in your day-to-day life? Or would you Mm. rather just hate the way you're feeling for the next five, 10, however many years, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. And you'll go back and forth. Like you're right. I mean, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then you might do three months and like, Oh my God, I can't do it. And I'm really like an advocate. That's me. Follow those. Yeah. But (laughs) that's allowed. We're allowed to do that. Yeah. Like there's, there's no straight line it's a it's a messy ball of wool <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah I think for me the key is learning that life isn't there's not like a formula because I think because I was so kind of controlling all the time it was like I was thinking that no there's a way that you do life and it's this way and it's it's quite wooden and stiff and you have to do this way and go in this linear pattern yeah what I'm discovering is there's no rules and it's just learning to feel yourself and follow that like the body knows what it wants it knows when you need to rest and you need to move and have fun and movement also is good like I regularly go walking now because that really helps to kind of keep yes a daily walk yeah so good yeah so just yeah just listen to yourself and follow your own journey if you fall off the healing wagon for a bit good just fall off and allow yourself Yeah. Give yourself the rest. Mm. Yeah. And like, let whatever you have been doing, just kind of integrate and like, see how it feels. And where like, eventually you'll start noticing things We're like, okay, actually maybe this needs a little more work and you'll have, because you've taken the time off and you haven't been on quote Mm. unquote for so long, you'll actually be excited and have the energy to kind of dive back into it. So the breaks are actually, I think quite good. Like I do shadow work. I want to say once every six months, like I just, it's like a cycle. It's like, I'll go back to it. Yeah. Because if you do it all the time, it's a lot and it brings up a lot of triggers and like it can be very emotionally draining and it, it takes a toll on your system too. Mm. So And it's quite unloving, isn't it? To always be, it's like having another person standing next to you saying, no, you need to fix yourself, fix yourself, fix yeah. yourself. That's not right. This is not right. Like it becomes something you're doing. If you're used to having these negative patterns that are destructive, which is definitely what I had, at one point my healing journey was another extension of me being horrible to myself. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, you have to be careful really. I think that's so important to note because I, a lot of people will fall into that trap where they're healing because they think there's something wrong with them that needs to be fixed when mm. it's actually, there's nothing wrong with us. We had experiences that caused certain reactions within our system and all we're doing is changing them. Mm. All we're doing is changing the outcome. There's nothing actually inherently wrong with us. And especially with things like shadow work and inner child, like people can look at it and be like, this part of me is bad. I need to change it. Or this part of me is wrong. I need to change it. And it's it's not that it's bad or that it's wrong. All you actually need to do is just accept it as part of who you are. And then mm. that's when you can actually start working through it and progressing and you know, not having the same kind of self-doubts or self-worth issues or sab like self-sabotaging behavior because it's not a part of yourself that you're hiding away anymore. It's just the acceptance is like the biggest thing. It's not yeah. that there's anything wrong with you. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say this about acceptance because I think some people can think to accept is to have positive feelings about mm. something. And it's, it's really, that's hard, especially if you're coming from, ah, this is going to yeah. mean I hate myself. That's going to be difficult. Um, but what I figured through the work that I did is I didn't have to have any positive anything about myself. If I could just sit with, and even the bit of me that's like hating it and judging myself, just invite that into the fold as well. Mm -hmm. um, just the bubble of my awareness was the acceptance without me having to kind of get my head around like this forced feeling of acceptance yeah does that make sense so essentially the, the lack of resistance was accepting yes. yeah yeah instead of me thinking that there's there's this because when you think oh I accept you it almost you kind of have this assumption that you're lovingly welcoming something towards yeah. you and that's very hard when you've got a skewed perception of yourself you don't like yourself you can't mm -hmm. you, sometimes you can't accept that 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 bit of you is doing that stuff that's horrible it's, it's hard yeah it is so yeah you don't have to like it or feel gushy loving feelings towards it it's just don't push it away yeah just let it flow yeah. and then look at it and see where it's coming from essentially yeah yeah, yeah. so important <laughs> wow that was so good um <laughs> I know that a lot of people listening are probably thinking in their head how the f do I just sit and witness? So do you have any tips on how you a kind of like figured out how to do that and how mm -hmm. they can kind of help themselves? Because for people who are used to meditating, for example, that can be an easier task because they're used to just sitting there and like letting the thoughts flow in and flow out and not feeding mm -hmm. into it or not trying to resist them. But mm -hmm. for people who don't really have any of that experience, I think it's a kind of a hard concept to wrap your head around. Yeah. I would say that instead of sort of trying to specifically do that, if you just go quiet, like stop what you're doing and maybe spend, I don't know, one minute just noticing your breathing. Just notice it. Don't breathe in a specific way. Just notice the rise and fall of the chest or the sound. And then maybe take your awareness into the room. Like just notice what you can hear in the room, all the different sounds, the tiny subtle ones, or maybe the loud ones, what's what can you hear outside the window or the door? What can you see? Can you name all the things in your room? Like just, just doing that, that's going to shift. That's going to shift you anyway because it's putting your focus on something else. Um, and then even the body, what, do, what can I feel inside? Do I feel like at the minute I feel hot? <laughs> I'm having a hot flush, but my hands are cold. So I notice things like that. Um, one of my feet is colder than the other. It's just shifting your focus of awareness 
everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Whilst, but you're still going to be aware of your triggers because you're going to feel that happening at the same time. So, I, yeah, I would recommend giving that a try. That is such a good tip. That's actually something I'm going to try and I'm going to try and utilize too. Because they always say that in the beginning of meditations, like listen to the sounds around you. And I'm always just like, I'm literally laying on my bed. There's no sounds like, <laughs> but the rest of that, we're like just feeling into the body like that. Yeah. I like that. Mm. It's simple as well, isn't it? It's like the way I like to, to think of it is when we were born, we came here with nothing naked, right? Mm-hmm. Everything we need is already in us. So these tools that I work with are, you don't need a pen. We can, if you want, but you don't need anything other than your own heart, your body and mind. Yeah. Wait. Literally. <laughs> I I had an experience um earlier this year with ayahuasca and I just had the biggest download of like everything you need is within yourself. Mm. And that, that's something that I've been keeping with me this whole year and it's made the biggest difference. Like literally all you need is within. Like like you said, you don't need anything. It's all inside. And sometimes the idea that you do is another way of keeping yourself from love you know if you're frightened it's like oh well I just need I need a a different journal this one's not pretty enough or I need to go to that course or do this like that sometimes we can be pushing happiness further away by thinking there's more stuff that we need but no we we don't it's all here (laughs) (laughs) literally all here so this is something that you do with your clients and your coaching services so do you want to maybe talk about what that kind of looks like and how you take people through this process Sure. So yeah, I'm I'm a new coach. This is something that once I kind of got a handle on my shit, I was like, oh my god, I really want to help people, women specifically, yeah. support them emotionally because I felt never supported. So I decided to start a coaching business. It's about six months old at the moment, so it's a baby. Um, and yeah, basically what I do is take women through the process like I just talked about. So I help them to tap into present awareness and. Then from there, usually they might come into a session actually with some triggers going on, like this thing happened today and my mum did this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so I will normally listen to them for a minute or so, um, kind of let them get themselves really worked up <laughs> and then take them into that process. Um, and we can kind of spend an hour in there tracking the body. Um, so yeah, kind of once they're in that sort of relaxed, pleasant state, um, we can go into the body to where the main trigger is and like, talk about it what what if it had a color what color would it be how Mm. big is it what shape is it what texture is it does it have anything it wants to say and oftentimes it does and it will bring up something and then we can maybe talk about that or over the course of like the hour this thing will kind of get smaller (laughs) um sometimes it disappears to nothing love it Um, yeah or other times the client just goes off in a different direction but we kind of really basically just follow this journey without getting caught up in these stories and know all the triggers of it all and um usually after that they're just like oh it's, it's, it's they're not bothered by the thing that they were bothered by and so that experience in itself like once you're used to doing that a few times you recognize that oh my god I don't have to follow every damn trigger that invites me mm-hmm. I can unhook and focus elsewhere so then you learn that you've got a choice and sometimes you might still think, well, I'm still going to shout and scream and have an argument. <laughs> but that's your choice, right? Instead of being dragged around by this, this, this invisible thing. So that's yeah. kind of some of the things that I would do with clients. Um, or we can have like sometimes, depending on what they bring, but spacious conversation is another favorite thing of mine. Um, because a lot of times if you give 
someone your presence and slow everything down and kind of listen more than you talk. Mm -hmm. People will kind of talk themselves in and out of their own stuff and realize they had the answers inside all along. Yeah, always. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's something else I do. And obviously with the business being so new, um, I'm kind of learning from the people that come in. Mm -hmm. See, okay, what else else could I add or what else do people want? So it's a little bit of a sort of work in progress at the moment. That's beautiful though, because our like our businesses are always going to be transforming and changing. When we learn new things, we yeah. learn from other people. We kind of see maybe we thought people needed one thing, but actually, as you take them through, it's like no, they need like this would be better. And like you know, everything's changing and evolving. Mm. So I love that. I love that you're actually taking like your your clients' experience and bettering your business from it. Essentially, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know why that was so hard to like spit out. <laughs> Some things just are, aren't they? Yeah. Another thing that I do with them also is is uncovering, you know, like the beliefs that are behind triggers. Oh yeah, the limiting beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's really they're the catalyst really to everything mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens. There's a thought first. Thought comes before thing. Right? Yeah. So and I, I like. No, no, go ahead. No, I just kind of like that process where they realize that, oh, my God, I didn't know that I thought that. I thought it was that person's fault always because they did this. And then it's like it's so rewarding, even like just for me personally, when I realized that it was me. (laughs) Yeah. And I find that a lot, too, in in my coaching services, because I do a lot of shadow work and inner child work with my with my um, I don't like saying the word customers, but with with people that I, I guide on their ascension journey. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time it's like, they have all these limiting beliefs that came from different memories in their life. But then at the end of the day, like the core belief is always the same. Mm. So it's always like that they're not good enough or that like they're not loved or like, it's like the one thing, but then there's like five different limiting beliefs that all stem off of it. And it's like, you can just kind of see how if you work backwards, you like really get to the root cause. And it's like, there, there it is. (laughs) It's unbelievable, isn't it? And and it can sprout out in different ways. Like for instance, for me, like my fear of abandonment comes out in two opposite ways. Like one of them is maybe clinging desperately something, but then the other flip side of that same fear is pushing people away. Yeah. And you don't yeah. necessarily recognize that until you kind of get a massive amount of awareness and someone kind of guides you into it. It's it's fascinating. You know what's really interesting? This is like a personal note now, but when you just said that, it made me realize that I'm doing that <laughs> literally right now. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. Like I knew I knew I was doing it, but I didn't really understand why. Yeah. Because like I've had, I'm not, I'm not gonna go into deep detail, but in the past I've had experiences where as soon as I'm like I have friends of the opposite gender and then as soon as they get a partner it's like they just cut me off right away because the partner's not okay with it so now I find that if I am friends with someone and I know that they're even talking to someone else I just like slowly back myself away because I'm like I I I guess now like I don't want to be abandoned because before in my head I was like oh it's because I don't want to cause problems for them in their relationship so I'm just going to remove myself but actually as soon as you said fear of abandonment, I'm like, no, that like that hit me. It's like, I just don't mm. want them to cut me off because that's what I'm scared of happening. Yeah. So I'll do it first. And it bloody hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, it fucking sucks, man. Yeah, it never <laughs> it's happened feels... to me like four times. <laughs> wow. I, I felt that. Yeah. yeah. And that's just friendships. That's not even relationships. That's just like my guy friends, mm. which I think makes it even harder. So yeah. mm. it is what it is. <laughs> you have a lot of guy friends though. Like not really like I did in high school and then 
the way that I started making guy friends as I got older, because I feel like if you try and just be friends with a guy, it's like they always want something more. I would start becoming friends with like guys at work because you're spending time with them all day, every day in the office, pre-pandemic, obviously. Mm -hmm. And like we would be like best friends. We'd be super close. We'd be like for lunch every day together, you know, like just like office besties. Mm -hmm. And then like one of them literally blocked me on Instagram because his wife wasn't okay with us being friends. And I was like, all we do is chat shit about like coworkers and shit within the office. Like, you know, like we're like buddy friends, but like we help each other make the day go by faster. Like it's not like anything's actually happening here. Um, But that's not okay. So he was friends with me in person, but anything outside of work was like an absolute no. And I was like, this is so weird. And then I had another one who was like, also I was really, really close with. And like, we would talk outside of work, just like on Instagram and stuff. Cause we were like actual friends, not just work friends. Um, and then he got a girlfriend and just started like slowly ghosting me. And I was like, what the heck's going on? He was like, oh, well, the girl that I'm seeing saw how much we talk and she wasn't happy with it. I'm like, dude, we're literally just friends. Like, so yeah, it's happened. It's happened a few times, but mm. um, I find it hard now to, to make like actual friends with guys because I feel like there's always going to be some sort of dynamic where like I'm in the way of whatever yeah. it is they're doing with others. So it's all. Yeah. <laughs> It's not fun, yeah. but it is what it is. I'll I'll work through it at some point. There's there's something there that's causing this pattern to repeat. Of course. So yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out at some point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have any final tips or anything for the people listening that you want to share? Any like final words of advice or just like an ending piece? <laughs> wow. I feel so on the spot by that question. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm supposed to come out with this some amazing sentence um <clears throat> I don't know I just guess you know don't don't give up on yourself if you can be willing even though it feels hard to be curious like just be curious about yourself and especially in the places where you feel like you want to run or push there's stuff in there for you and um the even though it seems scary actually what I find is if it the deeper you go in the more beauty there is in that um if you're struggling get help get someone to support you so that you can kind of learn the basics but um yeah like you deserve you deserve to feel at peace with yourself the roller coaster is never going to stop I figured this out I'm always going to feel I used to think that once I'd healed I'd be kind of like this flat line Mm. (laughs) um everything would feel kind of happy all the time but it doesn't things feel ordinary some days they feel happy or extremely and then some days I get triggered and that's never going to stop and so the more you can make sort of peace with that and learn how to ride those waves the more you're going to be able to get in the game and live I love that okay (laughs) I'm going to start now with my ending questions Uh oh okay (laughs) so what is one thing you wish you did more of five years ago five years ago oh okay that confused me for a minute (laughs) um one thing I wish I did more of trusting myself Mm, I love that answer who is someone that inspires you right now (laughs) me (laughs) love that answer too (laughs) it's me it definitely is what is one thing you do that keeps you aligned and like grounded within yourself other than what we've just talked about this whole episode (laughs) oh I would say definitely walking and I know I mentioned that a minute ago but music Mm. 
listening to music and and moving and, and each different mood brings a different desire of what to listen to so letting myself kind of feel and hear the music and then dancing or moving or whatever I that's that's kind of important to me actually now I think about it <laughs> do you know what ecstatic dance is yeah but I've never done it I mean, you're doing it like what you oh, yeah. just described is literally ecstatic dance. That's what I was asking. And London has oh. a really amazing community of ecstatic dance. I know you're not like in London, but I don't not know. Far, if, <laughs> no, like the some of the most amazing ecstatic dances I've been to have been with ecstatic dance London. So I would highly, oh, really? highly suggest you check it out. Yeah, I'd love to. They're I've always really wanted good. to go, but I just I'll send never... it to you after. OK, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll love it. Um, What is one thing that you learned this week? Oh, this week I learned, I had a couple of days where my CPTSD was really active, but I don't know the reason why. Mm -hmm. And I found it hard to think. I couldn't think straight and I was all kind of just a bit skewed and scattered. And I just had to let myself do nothing. Don't post, don't post anything. Because I was trying to be, oh my business, I need to say something. Mm. But I was like, no, you don't. The body says no. (laughs) So fully without being afraid of what could happen just be there for yourself like fully when it's the most hard to do it without thinking there's something wrong with you because I do I mean I still do that every once in a while and um trust just trust that all will be well and I woke up this morning feeling fantastic so that was really hard for me to amazing disappear off the radar and do that I'm so happy for you that you actually like honored yourself in that way and did that. That's amazing. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Because I feel like I might have slightly went off to the side. Yeah, no, it, it was what have you learned? So you learned to basically like just listen and Trust actually my body do. Yeah. And without panicking that my life's going to go to shit if I don't do, 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 do something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and how they can work with you if they're interested? Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm not in many places currently. I'm just on Facebook, actually. So I would really appreciate if you're on there. I am Facebook forward slash Courageously Carly. Um, So I'm looking to increase my friend list on there. (laughs) But that's where I'm at. That's where I do my post. I also have a YouTube channel that I've just started. And I am doing these little sort of conversations with interesting women. Um, so I'm on there as well. That's also called Courageous Ficale. So I've, I've got, I'm on my third episode. So nice. Yeah, to get a bit of support on that. But yeah, it's just Facebook right now. So. And at the moment I have a little um, offer. I call it like a low commitment offer for people to just kind of try my work out. But it's like four sessions over a month. Mm-hmm. It's £444. Love it, angel <laughs> number. Yeah, it's just four, it's four sessions and boxer access to me like Monday to Saturday where you can get a taste of doing doing the emotional work um with support see whether it's a fit and then if you like it you can do it again (laughs) love that thank you okay guys I hope you all enjoyed the episode the light in me acknowledges the light in each and every one of you and I hope that you have the most wonderful day coming from two people just like you (laughs) 